0: Hello and welcome to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman, and you are listening to me on LP 102.9 FM Boston. This is Boston's community radio station. Before we jump on in and unpack uh, the issues of the day, the topics of today's show, I want to go to a quick disclaimer and then we'll, of course, jump right on back into the show itself. The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241, or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Hello, and welcome back. Again, you're listening to me, Rachel Meiselman, on Bostonian rap, and I'm coming at you, speaking to you from LP 102.9 FM, Boston. This is Boston's community radio station. So, hmm, <laughs> where do I begin? Uh, I will begin at the beginning. I am quite honestly disgusted by the political landscape of this state, uh, particularly Boston being here. What a lot of people don't understand, what a lot of people don't realize, is that there are people now actually leaving this state because of the lack of political diversity. There are people here who are tired of not being represented by someone from their political party. So of course i'm talking about republicans and it's it really is it really is a serious issue because we often as republicans because i've been up front about my party affiliation um as republicans we we often find ourselves in a situation where we we just simply don't have a choice. Fortunately, the municipal races, uh, for mayor, city council races, fortunately those are nonpartisan. So in principle, it doesn't matter. But still, I've talked to more than a few people who are either Republican or unenrolled, um, but they lean Republican. And they would like to have more people on the council, on the city council that spoke to their priorities. And it's just, it, it's not okay. It's not okay not to have representation. It's not okay to just be there and and just really kind of have to Navigate on one's own, whatever the social slash political climate may be. It's it's not okay. It's it's not okay to pull a ballot, and unless it's a statewide election or a mayoral or and or uh, city council races. To have no names on the ballot. It's not okay. It's not okay. Now, I understand that not every seat can be contested all the time, but the Republican Party has not even tried. It isn't even tried. And and that angers me. It's not just frustration anymore, it's actual anger. It's anger because the Massachusetts Republican Party wants to be seen as the other major political party without having any of the trappings of. A major political party. Our bank account doesn't have to be overflowing with cash, but my goodness, th- there's no grassroots space. It's basically, it's a cult that's led by Jim Lyons. And you have certain figures that play or figure prominently, like Jeff Deal. And I use the word cult insofar as there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of thought that is going into the hows and the whys, how we're going to get ahead, how we're going to build the party. Why are we supporting Deal? Why are we supporting Jim Lyons? Why are we doing the things that we're doing? And why are there other things that we're not doing? Or even considering? So it's just really, it's it's a time where it's really very difficult to be a Republican. And I have little to no patience for people who are going to question my loyalty to the party. Look, I'm going to keep it real. I'm going to speak to you frankly because I don't know any other way to be. Were it not for my efforts, were it not for my big mouth, (laughs) there would be no Republican activity in Boston at all. And by activity, maybe I should define that as people at least paying attention. People with R's after the name at least paying attention to Boston. Do people honestly believe that Jim Lyons would have run somebody in the 7th Congressional District? of Massachusetts, had I not stood up to run, do you think that that would have occurred to him or any one of his team to run somebody? Of course not. And it's, it's, it's really important to stress how much damage that Lyons and his team have done to... The Republican brand in the state, and I'm going to talk at length about that on today's show. Of course, I haven't only spoken about it. Um, now, uh, it's been I've, it's, it's it's been an ongoing theme. It's been an ongoing source of frustration and now anger. But I have to say that, quite honestly. Everything, as much as I dislike the direction in which Jim Lyons has led the party, as much as I dislike what he says that he stands for and his tactics, we can't place the rot that has set in and that has become pervasive throughout the Republican Party. We cannot place that all on Jim Lyons. And let me remind people that at one point in time in the not-so-distant past, Jim Lyons and Charlie Baker were on good terms. To my knowledge, at least Publicly, Jim Lyons was never, he was never called out for any of his behavior. He was never marginalized. He was never treated as if he were an afterthought. Jim Lyons was given every courtesy. And again, he could throw a fundraiser at his home in Andover and Charlie Baker would show up. That needs to be said. And and the reason why I need to stress that is because you have someone that is engaged in the activity that I'm going to describe Someone, and of course, that's someone being Jim Lyons. But he's engaged in an act, in activity that is, is absolutely reprehensible. And the best possible spin is that it's nonproductive. And I just, I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss because I, on the other hand, was blackballed. I was. I was blackballed by my own party, and I'm not just talking about what went on in 2020, even before that. and it, and it was because I wanted to be able to think for myself. And this is part of the problem with politics. and I'm gonna say that it's bigger than Massachusetts. And I'm sure it's bigger than the United States. In fact, I know it is. In politics, the idea is that you have to ascribe to the ideas of the individuals that are seen as the leaders or who are the leaders. Now, I just got through saying that I think that this is something that's just... It's not particular to Massachusetts or even this country. Um, But I will say that I think that it's particularly bad here. (laughs) I do because there's such a lack of political diversity, at least prima facie. So you have situations where if you don't agree with what you're hearing, There's really not too many places, there are not too many paths that you can take. It's very, very difficult. It's very, very difficult to be an individual, period. But to be an individual in the political world, in this political world, where the Democrats have a supermajority, it's close to impossible. And so I'm going to tell you a couple of things that really upset some people that have supported Charlie Baker. So one of the things was that I asked Charlie Baker to take public transportation, the MBTA, the Massachusetts Bay Transportation Authority. Uh, For those of you who are outside of Massachusetts who might be less familiar with our transportation system, public transit system, we call um, the Massachusetts Bay Transportation Authority. We generally uh, say the MBTA, or we'll just say the T. I often just say the T. So I, but to get back to the point, I was the very first person ask Charlie Baker to take the tea. The very first person. And it wasn't meant as, you know, some kind of, uh, I don't know, like some kind of shtick or, uh, uh, you know, some kind of um, cause that I could, you know, bang my drum about. It, 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 for me, I, I run on pragmatism. So for me, I, I knew in 2015, it's like, okay, we have problems with the, our public transportation system. They need to be addressed, period. And of course, that's not what happened. And it took our some of our trains literally catching on fire. and And, and there was a bus, too for there to be decisive action. There's no need of that. And that's a failure on the part of the politicians. People want to complain about the the, the tea. They want to complain about uh, the management at the tea. Now, this belongs at the door of the politicians. That's that The complaints need to be brought there. But my point is, is that in taking the tea, first of all, Charlie, Charlie would have been showing empathy and sympathy with his constituency, which is very important because it's not just about speaking to problems, the issues that your constituency or constituencies deal with. Of course, that's a big part of it, to be able to speak to those problems. But you don't ever want it to be from a clinical perspective. You really want to show that you you understand. And so one of the things that I started saying is where the people are. Where the people are. And, you know, there have been... Former and current Boston City female counselors who thought that that was a cool thing to say and it, it sounded catchy and, and and it made it so, make it sound like you know that they're um, articulate and, and empathetic and, and and present and all of the counselors I know that have tried to co-opt <laughs> where the people are, uh you know that slogan of mine, these are the very same people that need to be present they they need to learn what the issues are. Forget about being able to articulate them. They need to know what they are first. But I thought that it was a, it would be a it would have been a wonderful opportunity for charlie to to be where the people are. Very, very important. And in and, and to a certain extent, I mean, obviously, you know, solutions have to be found and people have to see a public servant delivering, but just the fact that a public servant is there with his constituency and experiencing the same difficulties that his constituency our constituencies, are experiencing, are facing, that can go a very, very long way. What's interesting is that at one point, the Massachusetts Democratic Party even ran with that, Charlie Baker, take the tea, and they actually tried to raise money off it, which I thought was hilarious. It's like, okay, so here we have the Massachusetts Democratic Party trying to raise money off this idea, Charlie Baker, take the tea, and it came from a Republican who is a conservative and who supports Trump? Well, my support for Trump. Uh, uh, well actually, let me when did I start asking Charlie Baker to take the tea? 2016. So I think no, no, no. I, I was yeah, I was you know, Trump was already on the scene um, because I started uh, supporting Trump in uh, pretty much shortly after he announced. So that was in 2015, uh, very, very late summer, very early fall. So it's, it's kind of ironic, but, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of uh, room for irony in, in Massachusetts politics. Um, but it didn't go over well with a lot of Republicans. They didn't like that. And they saw it as attacking Charlie. It was not ta- attacking Charlie. It actually would have helped Charlie to take the tea. And I think that it would have enabled him to get a better grip on exactly what the problems were and the extent of the problems. And it would have allowed him to sit down with his people, both inside the T and outside the T, MBTA, to uh, really speak very holistically about what needs to be done rather than speak in fragments. Oh, well, we need to work on this, the the signals, and we need new trains, and we need to, he would have been able to tie everything together uh, better. And I just, I just, again, I thought that it would have, you know, first and foremost would have been a wonderful way to show uh, a sense of camaraderie. I also raised the ire of some Republicans because I was the first, again, to call on Charlie Baker to do something about methadone mile. I will not call it mass and cast. I don't see why we should. I mean, it's the problem is the problems, the problems, because it's plural, it's not new. They've just have exacerbated over time. And I think most people would say that probably the, the, the current situation on methadone mile is the worst that it's ever been. It's the worst it's ever been. I asked Charlie to get involved for very simple reasons. Again, I run on pragmatism. When you have people coming from all over the state to Methadone Mile, to this area in Boston, it's putting a strain. First, it's, okay, it's a strain on the resources in this particular part or these parts of Boston, but it very quickly becomes the whole city. So you have Boston bearing the brunt of the addiction crisis. Bearing the brunt of... Basically, it's it's the whole state and just saying, here, Boston, deal with it. And I just... (sighs) First of all that angers me to no end because we're not even taking care of people here in Boston. We're not at all. I mean, I consider myself ultra maga. <laughs> I guess that's the new term, right? Ultra maga. And and I'll say why because it's you know, make America great again. I think part of that what's what's an inherent uh it's a it's a the centerpiece of that concept is that you have to take care of the people in a particular geographical space first before you can take care of others. And that doesn't mean that you don't care about others, not at all. But how are you going to take care of others if you're not even taking care of who is right here? Let me give you an example. A few years back, I had an older woman tell me that she knew and probably she was maybe at different points in time or at a point in time, one of them, told me that there's some elderly that eat cat food and they don't say anything because they're too proud. And hearing that just ripped me up. It made me very sad and it made me very angry because in a city like Boston, which in principle is wealthy in terms of resources and just intellectual um, capital, there is no darn excuse for that type of poverty to exist. Zero. So that ripped me up. Um, there are people who work just to keep a roof over their heads, so there's no quality of life. I mean, I can go on and on. And and, and, and let me just add this. We wanna talk about the underserved. The underserved, the underprivileged, miss me with all that. Miss me with talking about the underserved and the underprivileged, okay? Because I remember and this was a few years ago, a woman who comes from a well-off family in Andover. She had been living in Brighton for some time. She's an attorney. She had to leave because it was getting too expensive. I mean, we want to talk about the underserved and underprivileged. Well, I mean, I would say, well, if we're going to talk about the underserved and underprivileged, then we we should at least do something for them. But we don't. We just talk. We just people just run their mouths. But what I want to say is that there are so many others that need help too. So either we need to really greatly expand who we consider underserved and underprivileged, or we have to acknowledge that there are more people than we thought that need help. So, okay, there's that. But to get back to the point, and the point was, is that Boston, we're not taking care of our own. And so I'm ultra MAGA. I think we need to take care of America first. Then we can help others. And I want to help others. And I think it's important and critical, essential to help others. But, we do need to make sure that we are taking care of the American worker, for instance. And I just got through giving examples of how we need to take care of our own on a very, uh, on what's very much a local level. And so because we have a situation where Boston is, is being put at a, is, is being put at a breaking point, because we're, again, bearing the brunt of the addiction crisis for a lot of the Commonwealth, it's like, okay, this is a statewide issue. The governor needs to get involved. He really, really, truly does. But that's not the only reason why Charlie Baker needed to get involved. He needed to get involved because it's important for him to say, hey, look, we want to be a welcoming state, but we can't just have everyone come in. I mean, I'm meeting people who, and it's not just methadone mile. We, not, we have a lot of places now that are methadone miles absence, uh, absent rather uh, the methadone clinic, and we don't want to talk about it. The only person besides me who's talking about it, you have Sal Geritani, who is a journalist, and uh, he is, he's great. <laughs> he's great. Sal's a buddy. And he, he, he writes um, for different uh, city papers. And he's very much uh, present in the community. It's, it's not uh, out, of, out of the ordinary to see him at um, a number of different events. And it could be all on the same day. Uh, so Sal Giaratani, who is a former uh, police officer with, the Commonwealth. Uh, he uh, has been talking about it, and then of course uh, the wonderful. I was, uh, I was, I, I am uh, a big fan of Sandy Zamora Calix, who for years worked for uh, the Sheriff's Department in Suffolk County uh, here in, you know, Massachusetts, and and in Suffolk County, by the way, is a lot of it is is Boston, but you also have the wonderful municipalities of. Um, revere and you have chelsea and you have um winthrop um but it's it's wonderful um it's a wonderful county and uh the point is is uh, sandy is um she was a wonderful candidate for sheriff in this past uh, election cycle and she uh was talking about it but other than that no one's talking about it right um but the point is it's We can't, and and, and inevitably they they come to Boston too, these people from different states, but we just, we can't do it. You know, And so you'll meet people, whether it's on the mile or in other parts of the city that quite frankly have been overrun with addicts. They'll tell you, well, I came here because, you know, Massachusetts has all these resources. (laughs) We got to turn the spigot off. We can't just say, hey, you know, yeah, sure, come here, come, you know, come. Make yourself at home. We can't do it. Not if we're not taking care of our own. We have people leaving the state because they cannot afford to live here. We have other states advertising, um, I think Ohio, and perhaps there are other states too, but I know at the very least Ohio has advertised here, in Massachusetts, trying to lure members of our workforce, to, you know, there, because the idea is well, we know that there are a lot of well trained, intelligent, capable people in Massachusetts, but we also know that Massachusetts is a very, very, very expensive place to live. So we are saying that we would love to have you and your money can go further in Ohio. Okay, so this is this is the reality of the situation. Yet Massachusetts is still allowing people to come in just pour in and and you know, come here for uh, services. And I think that what Charlie needs to do and the next governor needs to do is work with different states keep those lines of communication open you know dialogue work together you know collaborate on on issues like addiction but that shouldn't involve people just getting tickets you know bus you know to hop on a bus to come here to Massachusetts so we need to be more proactive that's what we need to be, and that's why, because of this, I said, "Look, Charlie needs to be involved necessarily in this talk about methadone mile." But then the problem is, is me saying, and and Charlie actually did eventually get involved, and people were like, "Oh, isn't that wonderful?" And it's like, "Oh, okay, so now you think it's wonderful, but you had a problem with me as a Republican." asking him to get involved. Got it. So this this is where we're at. So because I've said things like this, you know, Charlie, take the tea. Charlie, do something about methadone mile. You need to get involved. I was criticized. I was marginalized. I was really, in a sense, blackballed in some pockets. But Jim Lyons was not. You mean to tell me that Jim Lyons, what he engages in now, the shenanigans, this is just brand new? So let me get this straight. In politics, you don't have to be a nice person or you don't have to be particularly amiable, affable but if you do what the right people want or you stay out of their way, you're cool. If, however, you do try to be a nice and respectful person, but you want to reserve the right to think for yourself, you're the bad guy. You're the schmuck. Please. I think this is a good (laughs) point. This is a good place uh, to go on break. When I come back, I'm going to talk more about The Republican Party. I'm going to talk about where it's at. Uh, I'm going to, you know, the remaining like 22, 25 minutes or so. I want to talk about the primaries and, and the state, the quality of the candidates that the Republican Party currently has. But first, let's go on that quick break. Our jury system needs participation by everybody. Jurors make important decisions that affect lives in our communities. In our courts, everyone deserves fair and equal treatment. People from different backgrounds bring different viewpoints and ask more questions when making decisions. Make a difference and serve on a jury when you get the chance. Brought to you by the Massachusetts Trial Court and the Office of Jury Commissioner. If you are struggling to afford internet service for your household, there is a new government program that may be able to help. It's called the Affordable Connectivity Program and it provides up to a $30 monthly discount to qualifying households. Find more information about the program, including if you qualify, and how to enroll at FCC.gov ACP, or call toll-free at 877-384-2575. That's 877-384-2575. You hear that? This is my Boston accent. This is my Boston accent. Yeah, it is. Shh, this is my Boston accent. This is our Boston accent. Hear it for yourself, discover your own. This is Boston, and we are all inclusive. Hello, and I'm all inclusive too. (laughs) My name again is Rachel Meiselman. You're listening to me on Bostonian Rap. This is WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston, Boston's community radio station. So before we went on break, um, I was talking about, I guess you could, uh, an umbrella term, phrase, the hypocrisy of the, the Massachusetts Republican Party. I want to talk, though, more about the state of it and the quality of our candidates, so at this point in time as you know as I as I you know said earlier it's it's more it's more the Jim Lyons party and Jim Lyons is is a leader of the Republican party necessarily as as the chair the state chair but it's not his party He's the leader he's serving at the will. I mean, he's elected by the state committee, and he is serving at their will, and and by extension, and and more um, importantly and significantly, uh, ultimately at the will of the people. And he's working on behalf of the people. Well, that's that's in principle what what his role should entail. But really, he's he's been really kind of. This is this has been transformed into the Jim Lyons show, and the the candidates that are promoted heavily and that are supported, that are receiving support and praise and whatever, uh, those are the people that are aligned with Jim Lyons. Now these people don't even have to be particularly nice, credible, articulate. Uh, they, they they don't even have to be remotely viable as candidates uh, to receive his support. It's it's all about are these people going to align themselves with lions? And if they do, they are rewarded for it. That's not the way to run the party. I remember several years ago when Kirsten Hughes, who is now a magistrate, uh, she she was running, and I remember attending. Uh, there was a debate between Kirsten and the other candidates that stood up, and so and that cycle it was Kirsten Hughes it was Rick Green and it was Dave Darkangelo and Dean Cavorata and interestingly Darkangelo and Cavorata were running as a tandem so it was it was actually it was actually an interesting idea um, interesting pitch um, but you know Kirsten prevailed but this particular event this this debate what i found very interesting and it kind of stayed with me as kirsten said that it was not her job as chair it wouldn't be her job as chair to parse you know like who is republican who is not and that's exactly right i mean if if, if you are If you when you go to vote, if you choose to affiliate, if you check off the box that says Republican, you're a Republican. (laughs) I mean, it's as simple as that. I mean, obviously, if people are espousing ideas that run so very much counter to the core values of the Republican Party, you say, okay, come on. But. I mean, this whole thing about calling people rhinos, it's, it's ridiculous. And particularly to call someone like me a rhino when, again, had I not stood up to run against Diana Presley, it never would have occurred to anyone to run somebody against her. So my problem with Jim Lyons is it's his, his way or the highway. And if you choose not to align yourself with him, then it's very difficult indeed to run. Because not only is it a question of, okay, well, if you align with him, if you if you are team lines, if you're in his camp, you'll be rewarded. He actively intervenes. So he breaks party bylaws all the time by showing favoritism for one candidate or another during Republican primaries. He's done this very publicly. This isn't a baseless accusation. This isn't something I'm pulling out of thin air. He's done this. He did it with me. I was running. He pulled Rayla Campbell out of nowhere. Uh, She was actually going to run for state rep at the time she was residing in the municipality of Randolph. and. You know, she was recruited to run against me because I chose not to go along with his program, <laughs> and, and I don't regret it for a minute. But it, you know, uh, I paid a very high price indeed. But I, again, I don't regret it. I made the right, very much made the right decision. But, but the point is, is that I was not only running against the Democratic candidate. And if I had gained any traction, if I had actually gotten on the ballot, it, well, then Rayla would have been out of it. But um, if we're talking about, you know, the September. Uh, but th- the idea is that when you're running and you have a party chair that actively intervenes in the primaries, you're you're talking about someone who then makes you feel like you're not only – running against the Democrat, your Democratic opponent and the Democratic Party, but you're also running against your own party. And no one should ever be made to feel like that. Um, people are not seated on the committee, uh, Republican State Committee, uh, you know, caucuses. There, there are caucuses that have taken place. Uh, there's one in particular for the first Suffolk district. The caucus took place a while back, um, but the candidate, uh, the the two candidates who prevailed for state committee woman and state committee man, they did not want to align themselves with Jim Lyons, and the the consequence, the result is that they're not on the state committee, and it's it's just it. So that particular. Um, Senate district is effectively without representation, which is absolutely disgraceful. And very recently, there was, of course, a big brouhaha because a, a state committee meeting was scheduled, but less than thirty per thir, uh, less than thirty of the eighty members. In principle, eighty members, but there are fewer because again, um, you have at least one Senate district where the state committee man and woman are not <laughs> seated, and you have there are others there's there there are other vacancies as well. But uh, you had less than thirty individuals of what's supposed to be an eighty member body. And so to conduct any business, Lyons was obligated to break party laws, but again, that's not an issue for him. So, you know, there's that, uh, all of that, which in itself, it makes him, quite frankly, um, unsuitable and unfit for that office. But, you know, even on ward level, uh, he'll make it difficult for you. I I ran... um, for the uh, for Ward 14 committee. Lyons knew that I was, you know, he knew, oh, okay, Rachel's in Ward 14. They actually found all these people to run. Um, but I got the highest number of votes. Um, but Jim Lyons still tried to install someone as the chair. It's it's really it just it's very difficult. To be a Republican, to be an active Republican, when you have a chair that, it's not about micromanaging, it's about a chair who doesn't, it's not that he doesn't understand, it's that he doesn't care, who treats a major political party as his vanity vehicle. And it's it's despicable. And... You know, let's talk about the quality of candidates. Uh, we do, well, we don't even have a candidate for treasurer, which is an absolute disgrace. We don't even have a full slate for that. It's just a full statewide slate. And I think it's been a while since that's been the case. And quite frankly, again, there's no excuse. And it's, it's, it's embarrassing. It's really embarrassing. Uh, I have to say a word about Jay McMahon. I am so disappointed by him because I think that some of the other candidates that Lyons is behind. I don't think that they're well qualified for the offices that they're seeking are in some cases, you know, in a case, in one instance, there are no qualifications whatsoever. But with Jay McMahon, in principle, he does have the qualifications. And it's he's just not speaking to any of the issues. He's speaking to Jim's issues. And I just, I don't know. There's so much that he's just leaving on the table. And it's just, it's a shame because one would hope that, James J would really try to be better than that but apparently that's that's not <laughs> that's that's not what he's aiming to do. I remember when he spoke in 2018 at the convention I thought he was fantastic. I really did. And this time around I thought it was it was lackluster, wasn't that good. And what he has Chosen to discuss and what he has chosen to make as his platform, of course, is Jim Lyon's platform. And it doesn't really speak to the issues where the Attorney General's office could really make a difference. Uh, Andrea Campbell, of course, is doing a much better job of speaking to those issues. Now, I might disagree with Andrea and the direction that she might go in. I would like to take the office in, um, in regard to certain issues and maybe overall, but she did earn my respect. She has earned my respect. I think she's a smart woman. I think she's a capable woman. And I just, it would, it's just a shame because I would like, Jay to at least present a viable option because he does have the qualifications for this office and that's not what he's doing. Not at all. And Andrea is running, I mean, it's it's doesn't even make sense to say she's running a much better race. She's running a race and Jay, I don't know what he's doing. So, I mean, it's... I, I wish Andrea well. Um, and, I, you know, recently I, I I had a pleasant exchange. I, I like Andrea. I do. I do. Um, just as a Republican, I would like fellow Republicans, when they stand up to run for office, to just make a good show of it. That's what I would like to see. And I think that would be good for Andrea, too, because it would be really nice to see, two people who are qualified for the office that they're seeking to really kind of present dueling visions for the office. But nah, that's not what we're going to get. Um, I already said we don't have a treasurer, uh, candidate for uh, the treasurer's office. Um, governor and lieutenant governor, I, I need I need Jeff Deal and Leah Allen to stop talking about what's going on on the national level. They want to run for Congress, have at it. But <laughs> they're running for the two highest offices in the land of Massachusetts. <laughs> I need them to focus on what is happening right here. That's not what they're doing at all. And it's really, I find that enormously frustrating and and, and, I'm, and I will say this. I mean, it's not that the governor and lieutenant governor don't have anything to say about what's going on at the national level. Of course not. Of course not. Again, these are the two highest offices uh, in the Commonwealth. And what is going on nationally, what's going on in D.C., it's obviously not like it's it doesn't impact what happens in Massachusetts. But I feel like the two of them... Don't speak intelligently and intimately with the details, uh, uh, uh with um, uh, to, to the issues, rather, excuse me, uh, of the commonwealth, and that that disturbs me, that angers me, and that frustrates me. And Chris Doty and Kate Campanelli, I think they. Did a much, much, much better job of that, and also, and actually, rather, I, I can't even really say that they they did a much better, much, much better job. I don't think there was actually any comparison. They were running to be governor and lieutenant governor, and Jeff Deal and Leah Allen. They're running. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess that's the difference, um, and that's that. And then finally, Rayla Campbell. Rayla Campbell has benefited greatly from the support of Jim Lyons, both in 2020 and now. Rayla would have—I'm not going to go as far as to say silence critics, but she would have, I think, garnered something approaching regard— if she had at least come out with a platform, but no. Uh, I've listened to Rayla speak on a number of occasions, whether it's at an event, you know, I wa- I'll watch a clip, or, you know, she's interviewed by whether it's Jeff Kooner or this one or that one, and she's terrible. She's absolutely terrible. Uh, she's given questions, which... I know she's getting them beforehand, so she, you know, she has her uh, responses then ready and prepared, and you know she gets to the studio, or if it's you know online, but I guess now everything is well. I shouldn't say everything, but at least, you know, what I've seen her do, if it's if it's local, like if Jeff Kooner or some, you know, she's she's in the studio. Or maybe it's over the phone. Maybe there's some Zoom going on. I, I I don't know. But the the point is is that all her interviews are terrible. They're horrible. And it's she she is given the questions in advance. She prepares them, and then the host just lets her speak. And she just speaks 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 speaks. speaks. There's no there's no questions. <coughs> Excuse me. There are no questions. They're uh, asked. There's no pushback, there's no, well, what do you think or what if? None of that. And I don't think that's serious. I mean, quite frankly, it's as if she's just talking to herself. <coughs> and I find that that that's not the mark of a serious candidate at all. And uh, her latest strategy of attacking Galvin personally. it's it's I mean, she has I mean, and and accusing him and the Democrats in general here in Massachusetts of racism, I mean, it's 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 embarrassing. and and it just it speaks to her lack of platform, um, her lack of ideas and visions an understanding for the office that she is supposedly seeking. And uh, quite frankly, it just shows that she's out of depth. And I think that voters deserve better from Jim Lyons for our statewide slate. But I'm going to talk more about this. Again, this has been an ongoing topic, and I'm going to continue to talk about it because There are a lot of things that need to be said and maybe if they had been said years ago or said more loudly, we wouldn't be where we are today. As always, thank you so much for listening and I look forward to hanging out with you next week. Bye-bye for now. The preceding commentary does not reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network